Welcome back, baseball fans, to another episode of On Deck presented by Deep Dive Sports. This is episode nine, and this is going to be our all-star game episode. So we're going to do a little all-star game review. We're going to talk about Pujols and Cabrera getting picked by the commissioner. Is that new? Is that old? Has the commissioner always been able to pick somebody? Uh, then we're going to go through some of our greatest all-star game moments, you know, what whether we watched it or whether, you know, we just looked it up and thought that that, that was an amazing moment. We're going to talk about the automatic strike zone possibly being implemented in 2024. Um, it's So we'll see about that. We're going to test Dom's GM skills again. He's got some questions on whether his fantasy teams are, are going to make it uh, if he goes through some of these trades. So we'll, we'll definitely look into that. We'll do our standings rundown, and then we'll go into the one fact about baseball again. It's stuff that maybe you know, didn't know, but we're going to try to stump each other to see if we can. So moving on to our first topic it is the All-Star Game. All-Star Game is this Tuesday, and it'll be the 92nd All-Star Game to take place in, in Dolgish Stadium. It was supposed to take place there in 2020, and then uh, obviously got canceled due to COVID. Um, so they put it in, I believe it was uh, in Colorado last year, and then back to, to Dodger Stadium this year. So if you don't know, Major League Baseball All-Star Game is known as the Midsummer Classic. It's an annual professional baseball game sanctioned by Major League Baseball. And it's the American League versus the National League. The game is usually played on the second or third Tuesday in July and is meant to symbolically mark the halfway point of the Major League Baseball, even though it's never really the halfway point per se. Um, so they've had one every year since, I believe, 1933, except for 1945 and 2020. Uh, 1945 was canceled due to World War II. And as I already previously stated, 2020 was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, the first All-Star Game was held in July 6, 1933 in Comiskey Park in Chicago as part of the 1933 World's Fair. And it was uh, initiated by, I believe, a sports editor from Chicago named Arch Ward. Um, and it was supposed to be a one-time event. It was only supposed to happen once. Uh, but then they, you know, it was such a great situation that, that they went on. So from 1959 to 1962, you had two All-Star Games were held each season. And that was in order to increase the... Uh, the money revenue toward the pension fund of the players, but once the you know owners agreed to kind of share some of the income um, after 1962, that All Star Game went back to one game. But I thought that was a really cool guys. Anything to add to uh, the All Star Game? What's your opinions on the All Star Game uh, moving forward? Jeff, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I love uh, this time of year, uh, especially looking at how things are so far about halfway point seeing what where the certain players are with the all-star uh, nods uh, what players get the snubs every year uh, one thing I did find interesting about this year's all-star is when it comes to the actual rosters with the new CBA uh, the MLB office is actually in charge of the remaining four pitcher picks and the four position players uh, the rest are voted by players and fans used to be the all-star managers were in charge, but they no longer have a say. Now it's the, up to the MLB office. Interesting. I did, I did not know that. What about you, Tom? I don't really have anything to add. No? 
right, we're gonna um these uh, obviously these were the selected starters and this is not going to be the actual starters because a lot of people have dropped out um but starting at catcher alejandro kirk from toronto first base vladimir guerrero jr from toronto as well uh second base jose altuve uh he is the ones that is not going to start due to injury um so rafael devers is starting for third base uh, out of boston Tim Anderson of the White Sox at shortstop, Aaron Judge outfield for New York, uh, Mike Trout, LA, uh, also outfield, and Giancarlo Stanton, also from New York, the outfield, and and making another appearance at DH's Shohei Otani out of Los Angeles. Like I said, some of the, uh, I believe, Andres Jimenez of Cleveland is going to actually start at second base instead of Altuve. So I, th I think that would make Dom a little happy, you know, Cleveland guys. Mm -hmm. and Absolutely. I did see that uh, the guys talked about the All-Star Game snub, uh, Andrew Benatendi, um, after his sixth season, he actually got selected uh, as a starter um, and part of the team. And your starting pitchers for the American League are going to be Shane McClanahan out of Tampa, Verlander, You've got Garrett Cole in there, Shohei Otani. I believe he got the starting nod, so he's going to be the, the starting pitcher. Um, and you've got Perez and Valdez. All right, moving on to our National League electing starters. You've got at catcher Wilson Contreras out of the Chicago Cubs, Paul Goldschmidt, St. Louis, first base, second base, Jazz, Chisholm uh, Jr. out of Miami, third base, Manny Machado, San Diego, you got shortstop Trey Turner out of Los Angeles, and you've got Ronald Acuna Jr. out of Atlanta for outfield, Jock Peterson, San Francisco outfielder, and Mookie Betts, uh, uh, the Dodgers outfitter, Bryce Harper is your DH. Again, there's going to be some, I believe Jeff uh, McNeil is going to start for um, Chisholm, and I believe that William Contreras is going to start instead of Bryce Harper. So. Starting pitchers, you've got Burns, Musgrove, uh, Castillo, Kershaw, uh, Anderson. So you got a lot of good guys starting on that. So one of the interesting facts about this year's baseball is that there was a commissioner's pick. And it was something that uh, we weren't quite sure when, when that got announced. Obviously, uh, Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera got picked uh, for the National League. And, American League recipe. What did you guys think of this so far before I kind of get into the the details of it? I'll start with you on this one, Dom. I don't know. I kind of got some mixed feelings about it because um, I feel like all-star voting should always be, you know, merit-based, you know, based on how players are performing at that season, regardless if it's a legend's last year in the major leagues. If they're there for like a symbolic, hey, we're going to have a little ceremony for you, during the game or before the game, I think it's fine. I just don't want them taking spots away from players that really deserve to be there. But, oh well, I'm not the commissioner. <laughs> yeah, and from what I what I did see is that um, that they were separate picks from that were not taking away from anybody okay. else uh, per se. So it was a new clause in the collective uh, bargaining agreement with players and the owners, and so the the language, in fact, seems almost as if it was written specifically for Pujols who announced his retirement, you know, well in advance. So 
Um, you know, in addition to the 32 players elected to the All-Star game, the commissioner may choose one player um, from each for each of the rosters in recognition of the player's career achievements. Uh, so, you know, I think it's a great idea. Uh, again, I was talking, I'm not sure if it's really Rob Manford uh, behind the, the decision-making on this, um, but, you know, that, that's just me. But uh, Jeff, what do you think? What is your take on this uh, commissioner's pick or legacy pick as they're calling it? Yeah, I like it as well. Uh, I had the same concern as Dom initially with the, is this going to take away from someone else? But then I saw that it was actually an additional roster spot. So I was like, eh, okay, I can live with that. But yeah, I agree. It definitely feels like that new CBA really does feel like they were like, yeah, we're going to, we know we're going to do this when the time comes. And uh, it's actually interesting. They also said that the commissioner can also pick multiple players to the league's roster in the future if he feels that their career achievement show it. So I like it. Like to see Pujols this year, especially knowing it's the spine of the year. Uh, Miggy actually feels like he could have been selected just on merit this year alone. Yeah. Yeah, and, and seeing that uh, Pujols is going to partake in the home run derby as well, I think that was really, really cool to be able to see. And I think a lot of people were, were excited, especially since this is kind of like a – I don't want to say it's a hometown because it's not in Angel Stadium, but he, you know, had obviously a, a decent part of his career in in that area in in California. So I think there's going to be a lot of people out rooting for him. Right. So moving on to our third topic, we're going to talk about our greatest All-Star Game moments, ones that we've either watched, ones that we think. Uh, just you know, there's been some great All-Star Game moments, but we kind of whittled it down to what we thought were the best. So Jeff, I'm going to start with you. What is your greatest All-Star Game moment? All right. My favorite moment is July 14th, 1970. It was actually in Cincinnati. Was The game goes to extra innings. It was the bottom of the 12th, and Jim Hickman hit a single. And Pete Rose, Charlie Hustle on third, sprints home, and Gray Fossey standing there on the base path with the ball, tag him out, and he absolutely demolishes him at home plate, knocks the ball loose, scores the run, and famously injured him and pretty much ruined his career after that. He was never the same, but fractured and separated his shoulder. And Pete scored the winning run, and he was flexing over him on top, and it was just absolutely legendary. But good moral of the story is don't block the base path. Yeah, and then that was obviously before the Buster Posey rule. So you can be right. <laughs> All right, Dom, what do you got? What is your, your greatest all-star moment? Something that you, you've either seen and or watched or just looked up and thought was amazing. Well, I can't be a Cleveland baseball fan and not say the 97 all-star game where Sandy Alomar Jr. hit a two-run home run in the bottom of the seventh to pretty much win the game for the American League, representing the Indians – at Progressive, then Jacobs Field, to win the All-Star game on a two-run home run. It's like this is written out of a storybook. Yeah, and if, I mean, if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you realize that we're, we're pretty biased on our teams that we love. So it's always <laughs> going to end up being Reds for Jeff, Indians slash Guardians for Tom, and it's going to be the Red Sox for me. And that's that's the case uh, today as well. Because my number one uh, All-Star moment is – 
July 13, 1999, Pedro Martinez, you know, it was the all-star game in Boston. Pedro Martinez is starting. It was actually the same day that they honored uh, Ted Williams, uh, that, that game. Um, so a lot of guys came out to, uh, to honor Ted Williams, and this is really his last uh, public appearance. Uh, he ended up dying, I think, like two or three years later. That was his last, uh, you know. But obviously, you know, Pedro Martinez, uh, you know, was dazzling. He uh, was throwing 96, 97. Um, you know, he strikes out Barry Larkin, Paul Walker, Sammy Sosa, and then uh, Mark McGuire goes on and gets Jeff Bagwell. Um, it's just he was just lights out. The sad caveat to this and I, is that he did such an amazing job and then ended up blowing his next five starts and was not the same after that that all-star game was amazing all-star game and then it ruined him for the regular season moving forward for that so this is definitely something but um all the al did end up winning that game four to one and he Pedro martinez became the second player ever to win the all-star game mvp as a member of the the hosts team which was the red sox so uh, i thought that was really interesting Moving on to our third topic, we're going to talk about the auto strike zone. So um, Rob Manford announced that there's a possibility that in 2024, there's going to be an auto strike zone. Uh, so before I get into any of the details, I'm going, to, I'm going to get you guys' opinions on this. I know Jeff and I have kind of gone back and forth with the positives and negatives of it. But uh, Dom, I'm going to start with you on this one. I like it. Um, anything to kind of make the game or make calling balls and strikes more accurate. I'm kind of a fan of it takes human error and human judgment out of decision-making. Uh, I mean, I know major league umpires are pretty accurate most of the time. I think the regular season average is like 99.4%. Like um, so, I mean, they're, they're not really wrong often, but people are pretty outraged when they are wrong. I think they've been testing it out in the minors for two years now. I think they're definitely testing it out this year and they seem to be doing pretty well with it. Um, so I, sure, why not try it out at the major league level? If it works, it works. And if it doesn't, you can just go back to having gums call balls and strikes. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, at first I was a little against it, but once I started to look into how it actually plays out in the minors, I started to come around to it because uh, I was curious how it actually worked. Uh, Turns out they put in eight surveillance cams at the top of the bleachers, and those cameras will adjust the strike zone to the player's height. So, you know, you have Aaron Judge and Jose Altuve. They're not going to have the same strike zone. <laughs> so it uh, generates the calls. It actually generates more strikes, typically. So the batters are definitely going to have to make an adjustment. Uh, it's funny. I thought it would be the other way around. But, yeah, the umps still stand in at home plate. They still call the check swings, uh, calls at the plate, and they can actually overrule the robot, uh, apparently, as well. The calls are made through an earpiece for the umpires. So, you know, at first I was thinking kind of, you know, would there be <laughs> no one behind home plate? I was curious how it was going to work. But I don't know if it is too much to remove the human error, you know, and – I agree. I think we need the more accurate calls, especially, you know, you're in the World Series and you've got these tough calls being made. You, the fans go nuts. Uh, but 
at the same time, if it's calling more strikes, you're going to have more strikeouts, which the MLB already has like the highest strikeout rate ever. Like 15 years ago, I think the strikeout rate was 16%, and now it's up to like 25%. So could it also lead to a new dead ball era? I mean, there's a lot of questions here. Yeah, I mean, like we did you know, off camera before Jeff is like, you know, it, it gets away from, you know, catchers using framing to, to get called strikes that, that mm-hmm. were obviously balls and stuff like that. So it kind of gets away from the, um, I'm going to say the, the, the chess game that is, is baseball and, and the catcher and, and the ump and stuff like that. So um, I don't like, like Dom kind of said, I think that, that, you know, the, the accuracy of the umps is, is pretty up there anyways. It's, 95 to 99% you know accuracy depending on obviously you know I think the younger umps tend to not uh, make the better calls some of the senior umps uh, tend to be um, a little bit more accurate with their calls with the exception of Angel Hernandez yeah (laughs) (laughs) I I wasn't going to call him out by name but you know like so um so obviously the new challenge system is part of the uh, experimental rules the MLB will test in the minors this season. I believe the system is called Hawk Eyes AI. If I'm not 100 mistaken, it used to call balls and strikes during the the Low A Southwest games last year, and uh, I think they they still use the home plate umpire will call the strike zones when the pitcher and catcher and batter can challenge a ball or strike given. Uh, through the appeal process. And I believe that if it is the, they challenge the call and they're right, they keep their challenge, but if they challenge the challenge the call and they're wrong, then they lose their challenge. So obviously if you keep on getting it right, then you just keep your challenges and you can get through a little bit of that. Um, obviously there's been some back and forth with some of the players, some of them really like it and they've, you know, they like the more, uh, you know, preciseness of, of the calls, but, you know, uh, a couple of players said that they, they don't feel comfortable not having that umpire calling the strikes back there and, and that, you know, what kind of is the purpose back there if, if they're not really calling the game. So uh, I'm definitely for it. I just think that, you know, it, it's going to take some time as any rules do. And, and we've discussed uh, before in previous episodes that, takes a while to implement it and you know by the time 2024 comes around i think that we're all uh you know be pretty uh okay with it because we've seen the kinks worked out in the the minor league level so moving on to our next topic it's dom's gm skills so dom has has come to us again to decide whether or not he's making a horrible decision by trading away and or accepting a trade. So what do you got down? Yeah, so situation changed a little bit. I checked my team um, while we were recording and the trade offer was declined, but the guy said that he is going to be sending a counter offer. So it kind of gives me a little bit more time to kind of reassess the overall trade and getting rid of who I'm potentially getting rid of. But the premises of this trade, Give us the first trade and then give us yeah. the, the okay. So for context, um the currently knocking on wood, the number one team of the league, sitting at ten and three. The guy that I'm trading with is number two and he's nine and four. So he came to me with a trade. He wanted Jacob deGrom for um 
in return, I'd get Eric Lauer and Bo Bichette. I was like, I don't want Eric Lauer. I want Carlos Rodon. Probably averaging about the ground probably would be averaging about the same as Rodon is now. So it's kind of a wash when it comes to swapping pitchers. And then I was like, hey, I see you have, um, what's the outfielder? He has Austin Hayes. I was like, I can kind of use an upgrade in the outfield. I'll take Austin Hayes. So I offered him Jacob deGrom, Stephen Kwan, and Paul Blackburn for Carlos Rodon and Austin Hayes, only because I had to would have had a clear a roster spot to make room for Rodon because I have DeGrom sitting on the IL right now. So mm-hmm. I would have had to give up two players to make room and whatnot. What do you guys think of that trade? He declined it. Am I crazy for considering trading Jacob DeGrom? I know he hasn't pitched this year, but we know what he could be. So Why didn't you want Bo Bichette, though? Because um, right now, Bo Bichette, he's the second base shortstop. At second base, I have Matt Carpenter. I also have Gleyber Torres, who's eligible at second base and shortstop. I have Trevor Story. And on the 60-day IL, I have Ozzy Albies. So, a little loaded. Yeah, a little loaded in the in the infield. But my outfield, I have Ian Happ, Stephen Kwan, Aaron Judge, uh, Brendan Drury, and Giancarlo Stanton. Oh, and Louis Robert. Okay. So I would offered him Kwan, try to get a little bit of an upgrade with Austin Hayes, but. Yeah, I don't think you're crazy for it. I mean, Rodon's been absolutely shoving this year. Like he's been great. Um, yeah, he was initially one of the big All Star snubs, but then he eventually got named as a replacement. And funny enough, now he needs a replacement because he said he's not going to go. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think you're crazy for it. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Rejected the Lauer trade because uh, Lauer started hot and then he just absolutely fell off. Yeah. Greg, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, good to reject him. So he has not countered you yet, though? No, he texted me like 10 minutes ago that he was going to come up with a counter offer. What do you think mm-hmm. with, with knowing what his roster looks like? What do you think is going to be his, his trade offer? Well, he said, he said the biggest problem with my trade offer was um, Paul Blackburn, who, like um, – Lauer started off hot, but he's kind of really came back down to earth the last couple weeks. Um, and then he wasn't totally in love with Stephen Kwong, which I kind of get. Um, so um, he he's talked about wanting um, Julio Urias from me as well. So I'm really fearing that he comes back and is like, hey, I'll give you Rodon, but I want DeGrom and Urias. I'm like, I don't yeah, know. Uh, that, might, that might be too much. Um, but I mean, I'd be willing to give him quite a few pitchers. I mean, I got Garrett Cole, Urias, um, Alcantara. I'd be willing to, to part up. I'd be willing to part with, um, Josiah Gray or Jamison Talion or maybe, maybe even Nasty Nestor. But yeah, he's kind of been slowing down too. Right. So. Maybe I want to sell him hot. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> uh, like we know what Degrom could be, but he's also really injury prone. 
So if I trade him now and he has another setback, well, then that's a win for me. But if I trade him and, you know, he has another year like he was having in 2020, then, you know, who knows? True. Yeah. He also got Lacuza poised to have the bigger second half. I mean, Radon, he could also have injury problems. I mean, you do this well to the halfway mark, it's a little scary thinking if you're going to keep it up or not. Right, right. And, like, I don't like – nobody knows what the ground's going to be like when he comes back, and I don't want to just drop a pitcher to make room for him, you know. Well, even when he comes back, it's still not going to be – I mean, it's, it's not going to be on a regular rotation right off the get, so. No. And he's sure. going to be on heavy, heavy pitch count because you know they're going to save him for the playoffs, so his regular season is really not going to be anything. And how does how does your fantasy land up? Is it is it through the regular season or is it through postseason? Um, oh, um, the regular season goes through September fourth. Okay. So, if if he's on a heavy pitch count, then it might be worth getting rid of him. Yeah, I mean, I'd say get get rid of him because I don't think he's going to add as much as what you're going to get in return for Rendon. Um, I just think it'd be, and then whatever you can kind of sweeten the deal with. Yeah, Austin Hayes isn't too much of an upgrade either. Plus, if this guy's in second place, he's gunning for you. Maybe see if uh, right. any of the teams that are not doing too well, you can take advantage of. That's yeah, a good idea. He's able to grow in their face, you know. You cherry pick right. the tenth place guy, you know, the ninth place guy, and and just you know <laughs> give him. Some some hope, and then maybe just to steal whatever RS he's got. Yeah, or find someone that's on the fringe of making the playoffs and giving them some hope with Degrom while I kind of raid their roster. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I think next year we're going to definitely have to all three of us get in the same league so we can talk massive crap to each other about trades and about. Oh, absolutely. Uh, right. Uh, Moving forward, look forward to that next season when we uh, we, we we go at each other, uh, you know, <laughs> tooth and nail. All right, moving on to the standings rundown. We start with the American League East. You've got the Yankees just still playing the best baseball I think I've ever seen in uh, any major league team, uh, and they are sixty-four and twenty-eight. They're five and five in their last 10. Uh, so the Red Sox did take one from them, but then got dismantled today. Uh, so Tampa is uh, second place, 51 and 41. They're six and four in their last 10. We've got Toronto, 50 and 43. They are five and five in their last 10. And Red Sox, 48 and 45. They're three and seven in their last 10. With Baltimore rounding it out, playing straight 500 ball, they are 46 and 46. They went on a tear eight and two in their last 10. So like nobody expected that. And then they just came out of nowhere. So that, that's something we'll definitely talk about here in a minute. Moving on to American League Central, you got Minnesota at 50 and 44. They are three and seven in their last 10. You got the Guardians at 46 and 44. They are six and four in their last 10. You got the White Sox, uh, 46 and 46. They are seven and three in their last 10. Detroit playing 37 and 55. They are two and eight in their last 10. And then you've got the Royals, 36 and 56. They are five and five in their last 10. American League West, Houston holds the number one spot, 59 and 32. They are six and four 
in their last 10. And another hot team, Seattle, 51 and 42. They are 10 and 0 in their last 10. You got Texas at 41 and 49. They are 4 and 6 in their last 10. You get the Angels still slumping it away. 39 and 53. They're 2 and 8 in their last 10. And you've got the Athletics rounding it out in the bottom. 32 and 61. They are 4 and 6 in their last 10. The National League East sees the Mets still at that number one spot, 58 and 35, and they are 66 and 4 in their last 10. Atlanta, 56 and 38, they are 7 and 3 in their last 10. You got the Phillies, 49 and 43, they are 6 and 4 in their last 10. Miami, 43 and 48, they are 4 and 6 in their last 10. And Washington, 31, 63, and they are 1 and 9. And I don't know what they're going to do. They are the most disappointment. That I've seen all year. Anyways, the National League Central has uh, the Brew Crew doing 50 and 43. They are 3 and 7 in their last 10. You've got the Cardinals, 50 and 44. They are 6 and 4 in their last 10. You got Pittsburgh, 39 and 54. They are 5 and 5 in their last 10. You've got the Cubs, 35 and 57. They are 1 and 9 in their last 10. And you've got Cincinnati, still surprising me, 34 and 57. They are six and four in their last ten, so they're, they're definitely playing. They're not the worst team in baseball. Eat the Yankees. Right yep. And <laughs> then uh, the National League West, you've got the Dodgers uh, at sixty and thirty. They are nine and one in their last ten. Padres fifty-two and forty-two. They are four and six in their last ten. You got the Giants at forty-eight and forty-three. They are seven and three in their last ten. Colorado forty-three fifty seven and three in their last ten. Arizona rounding it out at the bottom, 40 and 52. They are three and seven in their last 10. So what are your takeaways from the standings as of right now? Jeff, I'm going to start with you on this one. Uh, my standouts, uh, one of them is Cleveland, only being two games out of first place in the Central for the AL. Uh, so they're definitely a contender right now. Uh, Got to credit Seattle. I mean, where did this team come from? They're on a 14-game win streak. The highest ever in Mariners history is only 15. I believe that was an 01. So coming out of the All-Star game, they can match or pass that. But they're playing amazing. Uh, the AL wild card is going to be like a total bloodbath this year. Yeah, I think that we, didn't, uh, we discussed uh, that, that once they had uh, the fight with uh, the Angels, uh, ever since that, that little, little brawl, the Angels were like 2 and 14. And and the the Seattle was like four and two or fourteen and like two, it's just something crazy. And just all they needed was that little uh, you know, the a fight to galvanize the team as a unit and, and move forward and they're playing together and they're playing great baseball. So Yeah, it's insane. They're uh twenty two for their last twenty five. Coming out of nowhere. And then the Dodgers also now have a ten game lead in the West. So Freddie Freeman's finally consistently playing odd as well so Dodgers looking real strong as well all right Dom what do you got what do you think on the standings so I've been really impressed with some teams that were doing some pretty pretty bad earlier in the season and how they really turned around the last couple weeks since our last episode Um, notably the Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles the Orioles were on they had what a 12 11 to 12 game winning streak and they're at or near 500 I'm really impressed with the AL East. I think that is the toughest division of baseball right now. Um, every team being pretty much at five, at or above 500 is really impressive. Uh, 
And then, yeah, and how can you not be impressed with what the Mariners are doing right now? Um, I think they're getting back to the record that I think we all thought they were going to be going into this year because I think there was a lot of hype around this team. Um, off to a slow start, and they are absolutely on fire right now. I wouldn't expect them. I I would expect them to be uh, buyers at the trade deadline, and maybe hopefully end this longest um, playoff drought. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Orioles were, were the shocker to me, uh, just how well they've been doing it. I mean, they're really like, I mean, only three and a half games out of out of the uh, wild card game. Um, you know, third spot, and so it's just to, to think that you can be the bottom of your division the last team in your division and still be able to to possibly have a chance to clinch uh, you know a postseason berth is just astonishing to me that that this could possibly happen that at least you know two maybe in all three teams are going to come out of the a at least it, it i don't think i've ever seen that before and, and yeah we we thought the yankees we knew the yankees were going to do good um just on paper they were going to do amazing but the the whole rest rail the rest of the a at least phenomenal although the reds did take the series from the yankees and they swept the rays so what's up with that al east <laughs> gotta, gotta give you know you, you we only expected the cincinnati to win like 18 games and so you know they're 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 they're, they're coming at it hard I, I i gotta give it to you you know they didn't want to be the worst team to ever play baseball so they're they're, they're doing it yep good job oakland <laughs> all right moving on to our final topic and this is the one fact about baseball something that you guys did not know and we're gonna stump each other so dom i'll start with you with your one fact about baseball so uh my fact is th th this blew my mind when i read it today um there have been more men to walk on the moon 12 than the amount of earned runs given up by Mariano Rivera in the postseason, which was 11. Wow. Greg, <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was my reaction to it. When you put it into that context of like the more men have walked on the moon, <laughs> that's just, that, that's mind boggling. He's just right? such a, like, I'm supposed to hate 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 the yankees and it's just it's you know and this is going to be a topic i'm bringing up to you guys now um players that you you hate to love that's going to be one of the next topics on on next week's episode okay. is you know oh, I like jeter's that. jeter's one of the guys for me that is just i'm supposed to hate him on paper and you know he's just a yankee but i i just can't help it but anyways ron rivera is another one that's just like how how good is this guy how good was that guy he was the best that ever did it. It was just phenomenal. Yeah. All right, Jeff, what about you? What is your one fact about baseball? All right. I've decided to go with the theming again. So do you guys know what player has the most career all-star game home runs? Most on record. Hmm. Barry Bonds? I was nope. thinking Hank Aaron. Good guess. Not Hank Aaron. It's actually uh, Stan the Man, Stan Musial. Really? Uh, only with six. So six is actually the record. I thought that that number would be a little bit higher, but, you know, I guess right? you own so many at-bats per 
and then you're going to get, you know, by the fourth or fifth inning, you know, the, the reserves are going to come in. So it's not like you get a full game to to take as many swings as you can. But Stan usual at six, that's a good one. Well, mine's not as as uh, all star game uh, connected, uh, and I should have thought of that before I, I picked my topic. And <laughs> now I'm a little mad at you, Jeff, for, yeah. for getting a good one. So the catcher, how many uh, left-handed catchers do you think there are in Major League Baseball right now? One, zero. It's not high. Jeff, what's your? Man, I've yeah, I've got no idea on that one. Well, Dom was correct. There are zero left-handed catchers in Major League Baseball. Um, and there actually has not been one since 1989. Uh, Benny uh is the last left-handed catcher to play in the big leagues. And he caught three games for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And there have only been 30 left-handed throwing players caught in the last uh, at least one defensive inning. However, there were only... Five left-handed catchers, if you count those who caught more than 100 games in their career. So a lot of that has to do with the the throwing to third, um, that ability to cross over. And, and so that's just, you know, one of the reasons why they don't necessarily have left-handed catchers. But I thought that was amazing that it was since not since 1989 that you've had a left-handed catcher actually catch a game. And he only caught three. So. Wow. Well, that does it for this edition of On Deck presented by Deep Dive Sports. Sorry, one thing before we wrap this up. So, Jeff, I took your advice. I found someone else in the league to make a trade. Yeah. So I found a guy. He's on the he's on the cusp of, you know, making a playoff berth. He's got a really good team. He's had some bad luck with some games. So I want to get your opinion on this trade offer before I send it over to him, right? All right. I am offering Stephen Kwan, Jacob deGrom, and Josiah Gray from Washington in return for Shane Bieber and Theoscar Hernandez. Okay. I don't hate that. Yeah, especially with Teoscar. He's been playing well as of late. Started pretty slow. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad not okay. a bad one. Yeah, I, I just want to make sure that it's like kind of fair for both sides because I actually want this trade to go through. And someone that's right. – you know, on the cusp of making the playoffs isn't just going to do a fire sale of their team. Um, mm -hmm. Greg, what do you think? No, no, I think it's a good trade. Uh, do you think he'll accept it? Or I'm hoping so. I'm, I'm really hoping on the fact of the name recognition of Jacob DeGrom and just seeing him come across in a trade offer like, oh, wow, I have a chance to get Jacob DeGrom. Um, and, you know, Stephen Kwan's been really good and Josiah Gray's averaging like you know, in this league, he's averaging like 25 fantasy points um, every start. So that's that's a pretty good pitcher. That's better than a lot of pitchers. And you'll get a lot out of him too if, if he accepts a trade. So hmm. you'll get a lot out of Shane if he accepts the trade. So yeah, yeah, and and Hernandez as well. Yeah, I, I think it's a yeah. good good ratio that you're getting. You're getting a little bit back more than 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 you're given. So I think it's a positive for you. Cool. All right. I will send it over then. Very nice. All right. Well, we're, we'll keep uh, tabs on Dom's GM skills <laughs> and we'll keep you updated in case that if this does go through that we'll find out uh, if that pays off for Dom or not. 
Well, as I said before, this does it for this edition of On Deck presented by Deep Dive Sports. Make sure you download your podcast wherever you can, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, and until next time. Baseball is America's pastime. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of On Deck as much as we have. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at deep.dive.sports. Or download us through Amazon, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. As always, we are On Deck, presented by Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.